0: tonight welcome everybody who's here and everybody who is visiting us online um i heard i heard two things tonight that are key in my mind to tonight one was in a song that michael sang they said i am loved father i'm loved by you and the other thing is what pastor annette just said when she gave that little that little uh story i hate to use the word story when i talk about bible things it sounds like it wasn't true but anyway, the story about Jesus when he healed the, the man with the, with, the, with the crippled hand. And she said, you got to think about this. So put those two things together. You are loved by God. Think about that. We're going to do some thinking tonight. I like doing thinking. I like reading the word and thinking. I could, I could look at six words, five words, and think about it for days. And sometimes that's such, such, a, such a cool thing because we get so many things from God. Well, tonight... Uh, I have a message for you. You know tonight is communion. That's why we're here. So I'm just going to get started. So hopefully you guys are here in a state to receive. So just put your day aside, put your week aside, put your month aside, and just focus on the Lord tonight. Just focus on the Lord. Praise him. So many years ago, Kathy and I were in a business. Most people who were not in this business said that it was a pyramid scheme. While the people who were involved in it insisted that it wasn't because there were products that were being sold. Now, whether it was or wasn't is not the point. The point is that by joining this business, no matter how ordinary you were, you were supposed to be able to make an exceptional living. That this business was going to be the reason for the path to, and the uh, the reason for and the path to your financial success. There were motivational tapes that you could listen to. Most of them were people who had already achieved success in the company and were going to show you how to do the same. I don't remember much, anything from the tapes, but I do remember one of the titles. And the title was The Wish Mores and The Have Mores. And although I don't remember any specifics, the basic gist was that everyone wants more. The only question was, were you going to spend your life just wishing for it or were you going to do what needed to be done to have it? Kathy and I signed up back when we were first married many years ago and we saw a lot of other people sign up in the next few years all for the same reason. They wanted to have more. I guess wanting more is a basic human desire. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve who were first created. They had everything. God gave them everything, he said, but this one thing, don't do. And they still were allowed, Satan, to give them a reason to desire, to want the one thing that he said for the wrong good not to do. But anyway, um, now we're not going to get into the morality of wanting more. Uh, but we, what we are going to do tonight is take stock of what we have. I'm not talking about houses or cars or big screen TVs. I'm not talking about our possessions, the things that we can see. Uh, those are all just temporary. I'm talking about the things that we have because of and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Things that you can't see but are infinitely more valuable and are eternal. So we're going to turn to Psalm. Uh, well, to Psalm. Just to Psalm. To the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to start there. And I'm just going to really just a piece of this, but you got to read the whole psalm. You can't just read part of it. So <clears throat> we're going to read the psalm, and it says this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leaves me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When I was reading this, something interesting, just just a little whatever, I'll just throw it out there. I don't know why, but it's interesting. The first three verses, when David wrote this, he's re- he's writing about the Lord. He's referring to the Lord. He said, "He lets me rest. He leads me. He renews me. He guides me." And then he jumps in the next three, and he's talking to the Lord. He says, "He, when I walk through the valley, he says, he says, you are beside me. Your rod is and staff protect me. You prepare a feast. You honor me and by anointing my head. Um, surely goodness and mercy." goodness and nothing love will pursue me all the days of my life, your, I'm sorry, your goodness and mercy. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, as I'm as I reading, I said, you know what, he was kind of like writing about the Lord, and halfway through he said, you know what, I'm just going to talk to you. And he kind of, but it just, whatever, That's, that was for free. As Pastor Jose would say, that, that was kind of better in my head than, he would say funnier in my head, but that wasn't supposed to be funny. So, but this whole thing is based on the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. If you take away those words, this thing is absolutely meaningless. And I think a really cool way to do this, instead of saying the Lord is my shepherd, make it simpler. Say, because the Lord is my shepherd. Because that's what it's saying. He has all these things because the Lord is a shepherd. And you could read it like this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he lets me rest in green meadows. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me beside peaceful streams. And on and on and on and on. But it all happens... Because the Lord is his shepherd. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to focus on verse 5, and actually one little part of verse 5. But verse 5 says this You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And that brings us to the title of this message, which is Is Your Cup Full? Is Your Cup Full? Now, this, this translation is the New Living Translation. I like the New Living. I do several translations, but uh, well, a lot of them, but I, I like the New Living. Now, the difference is some translations are a word-for-word translation, and they try to find the best word to match the word in the Hebrew or the Greek or whatever it was to get their point across. But the Living Translation, the New Living Translation, I'm sorry, is a paraphrase translation, which means it's a thought-for-thought translation. So the writers of this, of this translation are saying, well, the most important thing is we get the thought right. And, so, and I like that because sometimes there is no word. And I know that, not because I speak Hebrew and Greek, but I assume that because I and some of you would know this. I know Pastor and Pastor Nett would know this and a lot of other people. I've asked the person who speaks Spanish, how do you say that in Spanish? And on more than one occasion, they said, well, there is no word for that. And I'm like, how is there no word for that? It's, it's a, a real thing. And they said, well, the best way to say it would be this, but there is no word for that. So I like the thought about let's get it right, and if you have to add some words to make it right, we'll add it right. Now, in the, in the New Living, it says, my cup overflows with blessings. I don't know of another translation that says that. I didn't look up in the Amplified. That might have it in there. But, um, but it's the only one that adds with blessings. They all say, my cup runneth over, my cup overflows, whatever. But they don't say with what. Now, we know one thing for sure. You can't read this literally. We'll take away the blessings for a minute. You can't read this literally. David is saying all these things that he has in the Lord, all these marvelous things that he has, the protection, all the things he has in the Lord. And he reads in verse 5, You prepared a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. I have plenty to drink. That's what that would mean if you took it Literally. So we know it doesn't mean that. He's not talking about, I got lots of stuff to drink now. What he's saying, cup here is a vessel. It's a vessel to receive. That's what it is. He receives everything through, we receive everything through a vessel, and he's saying this is the vessel he's talking about. If Hannah wanted to give little David some water, she would put it in a sippy cup. The sippy cup is not what's giving him the, I would say nourishment, maybe water's nourishment the whatever that he needs it's the vehicle it's the vessel that he's getting what he needs in so that's what the cup is so david says i'm receiving but what's he receiving well this tells that he's receiving the blessings of god the blessings of god so so if you haven't figured it out yet tonight we're going to be taking uh, sorry talking about god's blessings in our lives Or more specifically, God's spiritual blessings. Now, excuse me one minute. A lot of people say, God's blessed me with this, God's blessed me with that. He blessed me with lots of material things. I really don't think those are blessings. What those really are, what God gives you are spiritual blessings. And when you receive something physical, that may be the fruit of or the manifestation that you get because of a spiritual blessing. That's like a byproduct. That's not the blessing itself. Now, I said tonight we're going to take stock of what we have. But wasn't what we just read taking stock of what David had? David had this very special relationship with the Lord, unlike anyone else at that time. There's nobody in the Bible that we read I mean, there was prophets, there was uh, uh, Samuel and things, but no one had what David had, and and for a very good reason. But, But David lived in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. We live in the New Testament under the New Covenant. Now, a lot of people would say, well, we can have what David had because God is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he is. God does not change. He has not changed. He will not change. He is the same. But David lived in the Old Testament under an old covenant, and we have a new covenant. And the way God relates to his people is through the covenants. And God can't relate to us or doesn't relate to us the same way that he related to people in the Old Testament. So we can't say that I can have what David had because God's the same because it doesn't work that way. But so here's the question. Can we say that the relationship that David had with the Lord is something that we can have as well? And the answer is absolutely yes. But the reason is that the Old Testament pointed to the New Testament. It was a prophetic foretelling of what was to come, or more specifically, who was to come, Jesus the Messiah. The Old Testament is full of types and shadows of the Christ who was to come, and through him the new covenant that we now live in. And the intimacy that David had with God is a foreshadowing of what each and every one of us are meant to have and can have today with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Once again, in, those, in that day, God didn't have that relationship with everybody. There was lots of people. He only had it with David. And that's only because of for very special reasons, but that points to what we're supposed to have with God today what God wanted for us all along, what the whole plan was the whole time. So, all right, let's get back to blessing. Some of the definitions of the word blessing, I just looked these up online, I pulled up a dictionary and I got some definitions, but I liked them, so I put them down. Uh, One is a, a special favor, mercy, or benefit. Another one is a favor or gift bestowed by God, thereby bringing happiness. And another one was the invoking of God's favor upon a person. I like all those. I think all those fit in the realm of God and us in our relationship. So with those kind of like definitions in mind, and let's just go now we, we'll, we'll move forward. Uh, we just read a few of the blessings of God that David spoke about in his life. Now let's see what Paul has to say about God's blessings towards us. So if you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read um, from verse 3 to verse 14. And it starts like this. Paul writes, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Let's read that again. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So that's saying, well, praise God. And why are we praising God? Because he has blessed us. Not that he's going to bless us. Not that we can look forward to blessings. But he has blessed us. Do we always look at the fact that we have these blessings that they're already here? Is that always on our mind? All right, he has blessed us with a couple things. No, with every spiritual blessing. There's not one he left out. There's, he didn't leave some for later on. I don't, even know if I don't even think there's any more spiritual blessing we're gonna get when we're, when we're with him, uh, you know, after this life. Uh, he blessed with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms, that makes sense. That's where he is. That's where Jesus is. That's where all these blessings come from, in the heavenly realms. All right? And why? Because we are united with Christ. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Once again, if you take that out, there's nothing. Because of what Christ did is why we have this. But you have to remember, we have every spiritual blessing. He's already been blessed with us. Now, in the other verses, he's going to go through a few of those blessings, so we're going to go through a couple of those. Verse 4 says, even before the world was made, some translations say even before the foundations of the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before the world was made, before Adam and Eve were created, before anything, God loved us. I am loved, Father, I'm loved by you. You were loved by him forever, going backwards. He loved us and he chose us. Think about that, as Pastor Net said. Think about that. He chose us in Christ, meaning that before the, before the world was even created, the redemption process was already worked out. He already saw us and chose us, loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy or to be set apart and without fault in his eyes. In his eyes. Are we without fault? No. I'm not without fault. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I'm not without fault. But in his eyes, through his son, I am and so are you. He chose that. He he decided to do that. Why? Why? Because he loved us. We have no concept of what the word love means. We truly don't. You know why? The Bible says now we know in part. Later on, when we're with him, we'll know everything. You know what? Now we love in part. The best we can muster in love, the best we can do, falls so far short of the Lord's love for us. And that's all we got to judge it by. Just imagine the best love there can be, and then somehow... Multiply that by a billion, and you're getting close. Think about it. Think how much your father loves you. We're going to talk about that a little later. Verse five says God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us into Himself through by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Here's another spiritual blessing. God decided in advance once again way back when, that's what you could do when you're an all-knowing God, to adopt us into his own family. He didn't even want to love us and choose us. That wasn't even enough. He wanted us to be in his family. You can't just be my friend. you got to be mine, in my family, part of me. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus. What does that mean? We are joint heirs side by side with Jesus' his son. Oh, blow your mind. And it says, this is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. There's a verse, in the Bible says, what is man that you consider him? What are we that he does? But he does. And he did. And that's the amazing part. He adopted us into his family. It's not good enough to just to be best buds. I want you to be my son, my daughter. I want you to be part of my family, have all the benefits. And we'll talk about that a little bit in the future too, in the, coming up here. Verse 6 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. The next spiritual blessing, the grace That God has poured out on us. Now it says in Ephesians that we are saved by grace through faith. So we know that the initial, our initial coming to the Lord is by grace. Grace simply means unmerited favor. It means I'm going to give you something, you didn't earn it. I'm going to give you something, you might not even deserve it. In this case, we don't. We didn't earn it, we don't deserve it. I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because he loved us and he chose us. So it says here that he poured... And I know this is true when it comes to me. If he didn't pour his grace on me, I wasn't going to get there. But it says he poured his grace out on us. How much grace? Whatever it took. He just kept pouring. Who belonged to his dear son. And that's the grace that he poured on us to get saved. His grace continues to flow. Continues to flow. Continues to flow. It never stops. Verse 7. He is so rich in kindness... And grace that He purchased our freedom with His with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. What a blessing that is. He purchased us. You know what that is? You know that something is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. You could sell your house. You could, you could put it on the market. You could list it. Well, if you got a realtor, they won't let you. But if you want, you can put your market for anything you want. You can list it for a million dollars. But you only can sell it for what someone's willing to give you for it. What someone says, that's what that's worth. That's what I'll give to you. You got a piece of art. What's it worth? It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. You could pay $10,000 for a piece of art. And if the next guy says that's only worth 100 bucks, you lost a lot of money. You overpaid. It's not worth anything to him. It's only worth to you. What are we worth to God? What did He purchase? What did He purchase us for? Free, our freedom with the blood of His Son. How much are we worth to God? How much does He love us? I don't know. I don't know. If I was the kind of person who would run around and dance, I'm not really. Maybe someday I will be. I'd run around and dance. All right. And yeah, but I'm not getting my underwear. And said, sorry about that. And he said, "And he forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom freedom from what? We'll talk about that in a minute. And he forgave our sins. Pastor Jose's message Sunday uh, was uh, the cost of a call, of the call, I guess. This verse is a reminder that the Lord paid a grace call, a great cost for his part. It's not just our cost. What cost did he pay? Why? Because he wanted to. Because he desired to. The Bible says that why did Jesus endure the cross? For the joy that was set before him. He saw us in relationship with him and said, that's why I'll do it. That's why I'll do it. I think we sang a song that said, what, what kind of Savior would, would do something like that? Something like that. I don't know exactly what it said, but it, it blows the mind. Verse 8. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. All wisdom and understanding. Now, does that mean that you can do calculus now? If you're a Christian now? Not necessarily. This is spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you don't have just some. You have all. And you can't say that I don't know because if you don't know at the moment, it's in you. God's Put the wisdom there and the understanding to know, it just hasn't been ratified yet. It just hasn't been brought to light yet. It will be, but don't deny that you have it. Don't say, I don't have the ability to see what God has for me or what God has done for me, because you have. All right? You have. I know someone used to always say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Nope. Don't have to believe it. God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, but this you should believe. His word you should believe. So he said you have all wisdom and understanding. You have all wisdom and understanding. Now, don't doubt it. And we're going to show you how that works right now. The next verses, 9 and 10, read like this. Now God has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And, th- and this is the plan. At the right time he will bring everything together. Under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. I really don't exactly know what that means. I looked at this and I I have I have what I think I know what it is, but I wouldn't say anything about it because I really don't know what that means. But I know that I know what it means. I just it's not there now. But I'm not gonna say I don't have the wisdom to understand that. I do. I know it has to do with with God bringing Jews together and Christians and Gentiles together, all coming together, but I'm not exactly sure. So we're going to go past that part. But I can still say, because it said the verse before, I have all wisdom and understanding. It's there. Don't doubt it, just because at that moment you don't have it. You don't have an understanding of something. Verse 7, verse, I'm sorry, verse 11 says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance back again in advance and he and he makes everything work out according to his plan so because we are united with Christ we have received an inheritance not that we're going to receive we're not looking at we're not looking at eternal life here I mean that's part of our inheritance but we have received an inheritance all right what is that inheritance I'll let you decide what that is there's lots of things that fall into that inheritance and how do we receive an inheritance There's only one way, because we are an heir. When we were an heir? When he adopted us into his family, and we have an inheritance. All right? You have to be an heir to get an inheritance, and we have received that from him. We have received it. So what is your inheritance from God? That's something to think about. As you read the word, if you're interested, ask for him to reveal that to you, and you'll be surprised when you read things how things will be revealed to you. Verse 12 says, God's purpose was that we Jews, now Paul was a Jew, and he's talking to Jews here, and, well, Jews and Gentiles in this, in, this, in this writing, but he says, we Jews, because he was a Jew, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Now, the first to trust, basically because Jesus basically taught the Jewish people. He spoke to the Jewish people. That's what he did. That's what his minister was doing. He did speak to other people. There was a Samaritan woman that I'm pretty sure believed in who he was at the well. All right, she went and got the whole town and dragged him back and said, You got to see what this guy says. This guy has got to be the Christ. All right, but basically, he witnessed to the Jews, and it wasn't until after his death and resurrection that the Holy Spirit revealed to the disciples, This is for the Gentiles too. So, and it says, Next verse, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news. That God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. Giving you the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. He gave David had the Spirit of God. We know that because when he sinned, his prayer to God was, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But the Holy Spirit did not live in David. He didn't. Everything that David said, all the the insights that David had about God, the intimacy that David had with God, wasn't it was without the Holy Spirit living inside him, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. All right, so we have more than David had. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And verse 14 says, the Spirit is God's guarantee. His guarantee. Some verses, some versions will read, um, "Is sealed." We are sealed by the Spirit. His guaranteed that He will give us the inheritance He promised. Now, sometimes I don't know if these verses all come together, and you could read one before the other, and it kind of makes things kind of flow. But this says He will give us the inheritance. Maybe that's our eternal inheritance. He promised, and that He and that ha, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ are eternal. But the true benefit to us now is when we intimately and completely know them. When we live our everyday lives in the knowledge of these truths. There's a saying that says, what you don't know can't hurt you. But when it comes to the things of God sometimes what you don't know can't help you. A person can have the right to something, but if they don't know about it, it does them no good. Here's a far-fetched example. But it could happen, so I can say it. Say you have a relative, a rich relative, who lives in a distant land who you don't even know about. They know about you, and when they die they leave you an inheritance. They leave you a million dollars. But you don't know about it. And maybe the guy who's, uh, who's the person who takes care of the will, the, um, no, the executor of the will. Maybe he's like, eh, I'm not even about looking for him because I get to keep the money then. You're living your life. You could have a million dollars. That could change your life. It could change for good. It could change for bad. Uh, money does bad things to some people. But the fact is, you could be living, you're living a life without the influence of that in it, and it's rightfully yours, and you don't know it, and you don't have it. The blessings of God are yours. They are rightfully yours. He has given us, given them to you. But if you're living your life, and you're not thinking about them, and you can't think about them every morning of every day, but in general, if you don't see them, and know that you have them, and that they're yours, how much different are you going to live your life? How much different are you live your life when you can say all those things we just read, that God has given us and bestowed on us. You can miss so much of what God has for you that he has already given you if you don't know what it is that you got. I know that's not good English. But that's, that's the fact. Now, we don't need to work to be saved. Salvation is a free gift that's given to us by the grace of God when we believe in who Jesus is and what he has done for us at the cross, the work or the things that need to be done for a start after we're saved. They're learning to love God, loving other people, and renewing our minds from the things of this world, the things that the world teaches and has taught us, to the things of God, what he's done for us, and he, what he wants to do through us. And even these things, we can't do by ourselves. We can only do them through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit who he's blessed us with. There's no better way to renew your mind than to read the truth in the Bible. What God has done for you, spoken about you, bestowed upon you, and has in store for you. And then, as Pastor Annette said, think about it. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Internalize until it becomes part of everything you do. There is more to God's word than the big picture. You want the big picture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall never, shall never perish. I've got it mess in my mind now. But you know how it goes. That's the big picture. You can stop there if you want the big picture. But there's so much more in between. So much more to know. By reading the word and thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, taking it apart. I have a cabinet shop and one of my jobs is I take a drawing that an architect drew and I break it down and I create what they call shop drawings, which is, there could be an image that I have of uh, whatever, a a nurse's station. And I take it and I break it down and how it's made. Sometimes I do little sketches because I don't know how it's made. I do a sketch to see, okay, that's how that would go, that's how that would go, and then redraw it, redraw different views so I can give it to somebody so they can see how it is. And when I get done with doing all those drawings, I might have looked at that thing before and said, I know what that is, but when I get done with doing all those drawings and break it down, I know what that is. That's what you can do with the Word of God. That's what we're supposed to do when we think about Jesus. Don't just look at the big picture. Break it down and see... What it, what it really is. There's a song written by a guy by the name of Tommy Walker. I never really, I never really even, don't even think I heard the original song. But I learned the song from doing praise and worship with kids. And the song is called, Let's Think About Our God. Anybody know the song? I won't sing it to you because I do a joyful noise thing, but you might not think it's so joyful. God does, though. He loves it. But the song goes kind of like this. Let's think about our God our Savior and our King, the one who gave it all. He gave up everything. Let's think about the man who shed his precious blood so we could be his friends, his friends until the end. And it goes on, there's many more words, but the chorus goes like this. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Just one thought of you, and all I can say is I love you, Lord. When's the last time you thought about the Lord so deeply and what he's done for you and what he is to you that all you could muster was, I love you. I'm speechless besides that. I have nothing else to say. You have to think about it. You can't do it all the time, but find time to think about it. Paul says it this way in Philippians 4.8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts On what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He could have said it this way. One final thing. Think about the things of God. But he decided to break it down a little bit more. I can think of nothing more, nothing that fits this verse better than the spiritual blessings of God that he has bestowed on us through Jesus Christ. Pastor Jose said this in his message Sunday, that there is a cost on our end to living a christ center life. I'm paraphrasing what he said here. We will need to make room in our lives by giving up some things. But God will more than compensate anything that we would give up. He will fill our cup with blessings to the point of overflowing. So the title of this message Is rhetorical questions. The fact is if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, your cup is full. Full of the spiritual blessings of God. The only real question is, or the real questions are, do you believe it? Do you perceive it? And are you living your life like it is? Communion is a time to think about these things. To focus on all that God has given us through His Son, Jesus. At the Last Supper, Jesus said He had desired to eat this meal with His disciples one more time. The meal was the Passover meal. The Israelites ate this meal every year to remember what God did for them many years before. How He freed them from the bondage of the Egyptians. While the Israelites ate this meal, God was performing the act that needed to be done in order to set them free. While they ate this meal, the firstborn in all the land were dying in order to force Pharaoh's hand to release God's people. The only reason the Israelites firstborn didn't die was because they were in houses that were marked by the blood of a lamb sacrificed for them. The same lamb whose roasted flesh they ate during the meal. Their freedom was so close that God told them to eat the meal while wearing their traveling clothes because they were about to be set free from their bondage. The Passover was a type and a shadow of something that was to come. It was an event that actually happened, but at the same time it pointed to something else, something that was yet to happen. It pointed to the completed work of Jesus because we too were in bondage bondage to Satan God sent Jesus Jesus is our sacrificial lamb his is the blood that covers us so the law of sin and death no longer has a hold on us and just like the firstborn of Egypt that had to die in order for God's people to be freed from their bondage Jesus was God's firstborn sent here to die so that we could be freed from our bondage so the Passover meal used to be a time for the Jewish people to reflect on how they were set free from Egypt, but now it is a time for Christians to reflect on how God has set us free from Satan and the law of sin and death by the sacrifice of Jesus. I believe part of Jesus saying, "Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of Me," was to, to just to redirect His Jewish disciples. You see, they ate that meal every year, and they looked at Mo and they looked at uh, Moses. And how Moses delivered them. And here they are eating this meal again. And, and do this in remembrance of me means multiple things. But I think it was very practical then too. Jesus said, I got this when I was writing this thing. He said, when you do this, no longer think about what happened to the people, to the Hebrew people in, in, uh, in Egypt. Think about me and what I'm doing now and how I'm setting you free. Before we take communion, I'd like to give anyone who's here or listening online a chance that has not received Jesus yet as their Lord and Savior, a chance to do just that. You see, if Christ isn't in you, your cup's not full. As a matter of fact, when it comes to things that are the most things that are important in life, your cup is empty. But you can change that tonight. Jesus said that if, uh, well, Jesus didn't say, I'm sorry, Paul said that if you confess Jesus as your Lord, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It's, a gift that. it's a gift that God gives to you that easy. His son did it all. So I want to take a chance at the opportunity right now for anyone who might be in this room or who's online watching. Maybe you tuned in here you don't even know why you're watching it. Maybe this is the reason why. Maybe you maybe you've knew about Jesus. Maybe you never heard about him. Maybe you wanted to do this for a while, but just never had to drive. Or maybe you were afraid to do it because you're afraid what people are going to say. People are going to say some stuff. But Jesus, God, will change your heart and he'll anoint your life. So those things, whatever you lose from this world, will be replaced a hundredfold. So why don't you just pray after me? Just repeat after me. It's a simple thing. Just say, Father, I believe that you sent Jesus into this world. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you gave your life for me so that I can have eternal life with you. I accept your sacrifice. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart change my heart help renew my mind and I will live my life from this day forward for you if that's you I just applaud right now the, the Bible says that they are dancing in heaven right now if that's the first time that you prayed that you know Jesus said I am the bread of life he who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. He wasn't saying, if you come to me, your stomach will never be empty. And if you believe in me, your mouth will never be dry. I know because my mouth is dry right now. He was using, like he did so many times, parables and things to explain things. He was saying, in life, you need some things you need food and water, you need bread and water and food to drink. Those are the essential things that you need. Without them, you can't exist. He said, but I He said, if you come to me, I am the bread of true life. If you want true life, I'm essentially what you need. Matter of fact, he said, I'm all you need. So with all these things in mind, We're going to take communion together, focusing on what we have through Jesus, what he's done for us, and who he is in our lives. I grew up in a church where this, this wafer and this juice supposedly had some sort of power. There's no power in this. The power comes when you allow this to let you focus and remember and receive what the Lord Jesus Christ is and has done for you. That's the power and what you have in him. So let's do that. Father, I just, we lift you up today, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. As we look at this bread, we take this bread. Father, we remember that you said this bread represents my body. My body will be broken for you, Lord father your word says that you gave jesus a body that he could die in it that's why he came he came to be the perfect sacrifice the only way that we could have that intimate relationship that david spoke about with you lord and you loved us that much that you did it jesus we thank you we thank you for your broken body your body that you allowed to be nailed to that cross. I know you did it, Lord, for the joy that was set before you. That is us here. That's every one of us in this room. We remember you, Jesus, and we praise and we honor you. Let's let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that when supper was ended, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood. This cup represents his blood. The blood, the only blood that could set us free. They sacrificed animals year after year after year for their sins, and it didn't do any good. It just covered them. But this blood... This perfect blood is the blood that set us free once and for all. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you, Lord, that that blood was shed because you loved us. You agreed to this whole salvation thing because of your love for us, because you wanted us to be in relationship with you that much. How much are we worth to you? We're worth your blood, your life's blood. And we thank you for that, Lord. We remember the sacrifice you gave, Lord. The blood that you shed at that cross. That blood that was spread over the mercy seat. That blood that's the reason that we have an eternal relationship with you and through you with your Father. We thank you, Lord. We remember you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Just think about it. Just think about it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that today's message met you right where you are and that God spoke to you. If you're interested in staying up to date with previous sermons, new content as we go live, or just being up to date with anything and everything that we're doing, please take the moment to subscribe to our YouTube page. Please make sure also to turn on your notification setting on the YouTube channel so that that way you get notified whenever we're going live. Lastly, I just want to thank you for your partnership, and I want to ask you to continue in partnership with us with your giving by giving at our website at ctbny.com backslash give or through our Church at the Bridge app. God bless, and can't wait to see you.